Hi, I'm Ella Brady, and this is the Yui Podcast. This week, we are sharing a conversation between UEP student Bailey Hu and UEP alumni and current gubernatorial candidate Ben Downing. While attending Tufts in 2006, Ben ran for a state Senate seat from his hometown of Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and won. After 10 years on the state legislature, he switched to a role as vice president of new market development at the solar energy startup Nexam. In February of 2021, he announced his run for state governor in 2022. Can you talk a little bit more about the kind of steps that you went through to that made you decide to run for governor? Sure. So I left the Senate when I term limited myself in 2016 uh, at the end of the end of the year there. And in my new role at Nexamp, the role that I was in for the last four years, um, especially the first two years that I spent a lot of the time traveling outside of the Northeast uh, to help the company grow. Um, and spent a lot of time in the Midwest, the Mid-Atlantic, other states we're trying to figure out who to partner with and where to grow. And I'm a a political junkie, right? You know, I I would get to a state and I'd be meeting with environmental organizations, electrical contractors, unions, and I'd wanna do my homework on what was being debated in the state generally. And I would see all these exciting things going on, right? Um, on, On climate issues, but also on education issues on anti-poverty work. And, you know, I would come back excited and I would look back up at where I used to work on Beacon Hill and more often than not find myself disappointed. Right. And I would look back up and see little, if any debate on, on those issues. Um, and certainly not the sense of urgency that other States had. Um, and, you know, these were States that while they had their own assets and resources, didn't have the, the limitless potential that Massachusetts had, and yet they were doing far more with less. Um, and that was really the, the seed of it for me more than anything else, right, was, was that experience. Um, and then, you know, having that experience repeat itself multiple times. Um, and then, you know, just broadly thinking about the, the challenges facing Massachusetts. I'm someone who's tried to stay involved and engaged even outside of elective office. And time and time again, I felt like Massachusetts wasn't, um, wasn't approaching issues with the, the sense of urgency that we needed to. And um, I think the sum result of that, right, are the, the glaring inequities that COVID um, exposed and blew wide open that we knew were there before, but um, we're now seeing the the results, just how frail our society is when only a few benefit from, uh, from growth, uh, when only a few benefit from, uh, you know, from, from economic expansion. That makes sense. Um, and I was also really curious about um, your time as a, as a state senator. You, you first ran for office at a pretty young age. Um, so what was kind of the thinking behind that campaign? And, and is it kind of similar to 
do you think you've, you've grown a lot since then? I definitely think I've grown a lot since then. Um, that was a, a different thing in that it was a first, a far shorter campaign that was really a six to nine month run, uh, depending on primary in general. Um, I was at UEP. I, I was um, in grad school full-time doing a little part-time work on the side to help pay the bills. And the state Senate seat uh, back home in Western Mass opened up and um, you know, it was a, a rare opportunity. Uh, all of the state representatives announced that they wouldn't be running. So it seemed like a, a rather wide open race. And I figured if all else failed, when uh, I got back to UEP in the fall and people asked me, what did I do with my summer? I could say, well, I ran for the state Senate and lost. What'd you do? Um, and figured I'd at least have a good conversation starter to, to that topic. And then it, it turns out, um, thanks to the hard work of, of uh, you know, a grassroots network, family and friends, we were able to win that race by 243 votes out of uh, 23,647 that were cast. Not that you end up remembering those exact numbers or anything. Um, you know, in, in a race where there was a, a 10 term former state rep who had gotten in and several other uh, really good candidates. And uh, yeah, it, it was, um, that one really sort of came up out of the blue and was a really mad rush, um, you know, over the course of six or nine months there. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a formative experience for me, just like representing Pittsfield, the community that I grew up in and, you know, the, the surrounding ultimately 51 communities was for the better part of the next 10 years. Um, do you have any advice on, on maintaining work-life balance? I mean, that must've been quite, quite a lot of things to juggle. Um, no, I, I was horrible at it at the start in that race. The first, uh, you know, the first few months while you're trying to, to stand up a campaign, which for a state legislative race is, you know, largely about getting the signatures to get on a ballot and starting to raise money. Um, you know, that period was incredibly difficult because I was back and forth between Pittsfield and, uh, and Somerville. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I had no good balance at that point. Um, and, and just generally, right, being a young candidate and then a young elected official, um, one of the great things about it is that you can throw your whole life into it, right? You know, I, I get to wake up every day and think, what am I going to do to try to make the community that gave me every opportunity in life? Um, what am I going to do to make that a better place? Um, and you know, I can't imagine a better job than having that job, right? Um, but it can be all-consuming, right? And, um, you know, especially for a state elected official, it's, a, it's an interesting job, or a state legislative uh, elected official, it's an interesting job in that it, it's, it's not really well-defined. Um, it becomes, in many ways, it's defined by the people who are in the role and, and what they choose to focus on, how they choose to do the work. And I love being with people right? Like I loved being at community events and meeting with people and listening to them talk about their community. It just as much as research on topics informed by my thinking on priorities, um, just hearing the day-to-day -day conversations with, with friends, with family members, neighbors, constituents, um, that had just as big of an impact on those conversations as any research did, right? And and I love that. I fed off that. I felt like it kept me connected to the communities that I represented. Um, so yeah, I, 
I was not great at the, uh, at the work-life balance. And that's something that's, you know, significantly different now, right? You know, Mikhail and I are married. We have uh, two sons. Um, it is, uh, you know, that that work-life balance was tough enough, uh, before I decided to, to run for governor and I don't pretend it will improve now, but, um, you know, we're lucky we've got a partnership and I'm, I'm lucky to have found someone in Michaela, another UEP grad too, and a very accomplished one herself, um, who, uh, you know, we have an open, you know, open line of communication to, to work through, to work through that balance. Cause it's not a static thing. There's no, there's no one place you get to and say, oh, right, Yeah. My work-life balance is perfect right now. It's, it's always adjusting and you've got to be able to communicate that and work through it and, um, and always remember what's important, which, you know, I've said to my campaign, said to Michaela, at the end of this, regardless of the outcome, I want to be able to look back at the campaign on election day in November 22 and say, um, I've, you know, say that at that moment, I believe I am a, a good dad and a good husband, a good friend, good brother, a uh, good son. Um, and that the campaign that we've run is one that we could say was run with integrity um, and that, um, you know, tried to tried to raise the debate in our aspirations in Massachusetts. Yeah. And what are, what are some of your, um, what are some of those aspirations? I know that clean energy has been a pretty big theme of your work. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there are, you know, a couple of key areas that I want to focus on, right? Um, economic and racial uh, justice issues, uh, and then, and then climate change, right? And, um, you know, that's you know, everything from trying to get at the persistent wage and wealth gaps in Massachusetts, uh, trying to reduce regional inequity, right? Um, we have a really imbalanced state economy where um, greater Boston within, which has its own inequities within, but greater Boston relative to the rest of the state is a far stronger economy. Um, than those in, in the Berkshires and the Southeast uh, part of the state, um, up in the Merrimack Valley, you know, out on the Cape, right? You know, it's, you know, in the Central Mass and, and Pioneer Valley regions, right? Like there is, um, there's this real imbalance and we've got to do a better job of strengthening um, those, uh, those regional economies to take advantage of their lower cost of housing, uh, you know, high quality of life in those areas, great infrastructure. Um, and so that economic and racial uh, injustice, trying to, uh, trying to attack those in the multifaceted way that you have to. Uh, and then climate change, again, another multifaceted problem, uh, but one where, um, you know, Massachusetts has, has shown it has the capability to, um, to really make significant progress on clean electricity, uh, on transportation, um, on, you know, transitioning away from gas and other heating oils. Um, we have a lot of work to do, but there's a huge opportunity and a lot of jobs to be created in doing precisely that. Mm-hmm. And when you think about these these kind of core issues, um, do you think that your experiences at UEP uh, influenced how you approach them or think about them? Yeah, yeah, I think I think they have. You know, I, I came to UEP after a few years um, working on Capitol Hill in Washington, and you know, that was as an obvious statement, right? Like a hyper political experience, right? You know, it was a good experience in that, you know, I grew up, um, you know, a, a white Irish Catholic guy, white Irish Catholic Democrat in Massachusetts, right? Like I hadn't, you know, been in uh, even a, a political debate where I was in the minority in any way, right? So to 
be in Washington at a time where Republicans were in power was the first time I sort of looked around and said, well, if we've got to do something, I've got to work with other people. How does this work? Like, it was just a, a different experience for me. Um, but also it was one where you see everything through the lens of politics. It was, it was very much so, you know, a, a transactional sort of experience. Um, and then to come to UEP, um, you know, it, it took the blinders of politics off for a little while and was, um, you know, much, much more, all right, what is the, what's the optimal solution and how do we work to actually try to get to that? Right. It, it was just a, it was almost jarring for me how different uh, the, the conversations were. Um, and I think it challenged a lot of my assumptions. It, it kept me from, kept me from only ever focusing on the, uh, you know, on vote totals and politics and, and raw politics and thinking about you know, sort of that bigger picture, that that greater, you know, sort of purpose and vision we're trying to work towards, um, while also, you know, in, in the most UEP form, right, keeping you grounded too, right? And, um, you know, I, I've I've tried to draw on that experience over time. And I, I think when, when I have done my job right, um, whatever that job has been, it's been finding that balance between the two, sort of that the... Uh, you know, the ability to have the broader vision and then the ability to bring people together to take the practical steps that move you closer to that, that ideal that you want to work towards. Yeah. What's an example of a, a time when, when those things kind of lined up for you, whether as a state senator and, and something else? Yeah. Um, uh, so one, one good one would be, um, you know, more on the social policy side of things, but I was the uh, the Senate lead on um, on the transgender equal rights legislation in Massachusetts. Um, uh, the first time the straight out lead, second time I uh, worked with my colleague, Senator Sonia Chang Diaz on that bill, along with a, a variety of representatives and advocates um, uh, outside of the state house. Um, and, you know, that was one where um, Massachusetts had sort of been at the forefront so much of on, on our hate crimes laws that gender identity uh, wasn't captured uh, as a, a protected class under our laws. And so uh, we had to go back and insert that. And there was a lot of misinformation, a lot of hateful um, rhetoric on that, um, a lot of fear mongering on that. Um, but I had a lot of colleagues who uh, struggled with the issue and weren't sure that it should be a priority, weren't sure it should be something that we should take up. Um, and I spent a lot of time in conversation with those colleagues, you know, hearing them out, uh, trying to address their concerns and make sure they understood the legislation. Um, and, and then ultimately, right, we had to, to get all of the provisions that were uh, included in that bill. Uh, it took two efforts, right? One got about 90% of the bill, um, but left out 10% that was really important around public accommodations. And then we were able to come back, um, you know, two or four years later, I'd have to double check, but we were able to come back and get the, the remaining uh, public accommodations component. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the negotiation there, the, the decision to, you know, not take the full bill, but get the majority of it so you could get the first protections in place and then continue to build off that work and get the rest. Um, you know, to me, that was sort of the, you know, that's the, the best of some of the, the UEP thinking. Um, I would also say just generally like the, the work on climate that I've been a part of. Um, at every step and stage along the way in Massachusetts, there has been concern about the cost of action on climate change. 
Um, in particular, the cost in, in electric bills um, and, and energy costs just sort of generally. Um, and everywhere along that way, right? You know, I think the UEP sort of moniker, right? Like that practical visionary, right? Trying to think of, all right, I have this vision of where I want to get us to, but also thinking what is the, what's the practical steps that we have to get there? What's the message that's going to connect with the broadest swath of, of my colleagues and of voters, right? And, you know, for some universes, that's going to be focusing on economic development and on jobs. In some, it's going to be a focus on public health. Uh, in others, it's going to be a focus on environmental justice and trying to think about how you build the coalition that not only supports one piece of legislation, but supports the ongoing effort that we have to undertake to, to build a clean energy economy, right? To, to dismantle, um, you know, dismantle the, the worst of fossil fuels and bring in the best uh, that clean energy has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you shifted to, to NextAmp, did you feel like it was kind of like a continuation of those themes or was it kind of a, a really big mindset change or? I think it was both a continuation of those themes and a really big mindset change. It, it just to go from, you know, in the Senate, I was effectively my own boss, a team of six, you know, I set the agenda. Um, I had someone who would <laughs> keep an eye on my calendar and, you know, pull me back when I would overextend myself, which I'm, I'm sort of want to do. Um, you know, you were, in control of very little other than your schedule and your priorities, uh, but you were involved in lots of things. And I think one of my strengths is that I I am good at seeing how lots of things connect with one another. Um, One of my weaknesses can be that I try to do too many things, right? Because I see how they all connect together and I can get, um, I can get stretched too thin that way. Um, In, you know, working at Nexamp, on the one hand, it was a continuation because my role was, rather vague at the beginning. Um, I was sort of this uh, utility player who was there to help on business development when we were expanding. Um, but in many ways, I found myself interacting with um, policy professionals from other companies, right? Because many, many uh, you know, sort of more established companies would send their policy leads to enter into a new market because there's a significant policy and regulatory side of that. We entered it more from a, a business development, project development perspective. And I, I think that served us well. It certainly served me well because I, I, had, I could bring the policy understanding and then I was able to develop the, the business and project development understanding. Um, you know, it, was a, it, it was different. The work of the Senate was very peaky, right? It could be incredibly busy and then you know, incredibly quiet. And even when it was quiet, it was busy, but it was a different thing, right? Where like busy debating things on the floor, quiet, you know, back in the district, you know, at coffees and conversation, hearing from voters, constituent services, that work. Um, I found the work at Nexamp was consistently busier and more demanding um, in that there was just never, there was never a break. And some of that was just where the company was at, right? You know, when I joined, we were about 45 employees, the company's between 250 and 300 uh, right now. Um, But, uh, you know, one one of the things too that you know, at the end of my time in elective office, um, and this is one of the reasons why I term limited myself in the first place was, you know, you're, you're doing events, doing things for the, the 10th, the 11th year in the row. At some point, um, you know, you're, you're getting yourself in a rut a little bit. 
Um, you know, NextAmp was this was and remains this incredibly dynamic team, right? That's growing, trying to figure out how to scale, how to how to make clean energy accessible to everyone, and provide solutions to uh, to customers and to residents where they are in a simple way. Um, you know, it was just a, it, it was a great learning experience for me on how organizations grow, on how to manage people, um, how to manage my time. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved the experience. Um, I loved what was similar about it to my previous work. And, and I, I loved where I had to go through, through some growing pains and, uh, and learn a lot now. And are you hoping to, I guess, um, carry some of those lessons on into into your, um, I guess, role as a governor? You know, I think, I think what I would take from my time at Nexamp, right, was the, um, you know, the flexibility that the company showed, right? I think too often state government, um, with the best of intentions, uh, its solutions end up being and feeling bureaucratic and top-down. Um, you know, Nexamp's, um, you know, at its best, uh, the solutions we developed were organic, uh, were dynamic and were flexible. Um, and I think state government would do well to be much more dynamic and flexible. And, and listen, they're two radically different things when you're state government, right? You have a, a much broader responsibility than in any one private company. Um, so it is a bit apples and oranges, um, but I think there are lessons there that are critically important. I think there are lessons about uh, how you empower employees, how you trust employees, uh, how you, uh, you know, not just, you know, sort of give people the solution and say, hey, go implement it, um, but help get the buy-in on the solution, uh, no matter the, you know, sort of the universe of stakeholders you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also curious, shifting gears a little bit, I guess, I'm curious to know whether you feel like there's more opportunity to kind of think bigger in terms of solutions right now. I, I feel like there's a lot of talk about it, but um, I don't know if you if you see that yourself. No, I, I absolutely do. I wouldn't be running if I didn't believe that, right? I think there is an opportunity um, to think bigger about the problems that are in front of us. I think if there's any small silver lining uh, to all the clouds that have covered our communities for the better part of the last year, um, it's that, you know, we've, we've all been stuck behind screens and hopefully it's been impossible to ignore, um, you know, just how disproportionately this pandemic has impacted uh, black and brown communities, uh, just how uh, disproportionately, uh, the pandemic has impacted environmental justice communities. Um, the, the long-term costs of inaction on transportation, uh, on housing, right. On, on education, right. We see this on almost every issue. Uh, we see, uh, an impact as we try to manage through, um, the, the virus, in the pandemic or to come back up out of, to, to reopen uh, and rebuild. Um, you know, the, the, there's so many different statistics. The one that sticks in my head as it does for many others, right, is the, uh, the Boston Fed's uh, report on the, the color of wealth in, uh, in greater Boston, right? And the fact that the average median wealth for a white family in Suffolk County is $247,000. Uh, the, the average uh, wealth uh, for a black family uh, in Suffolk County is $8, right? Like that didn't happen overnight. 
<clears throat> but I think as people see the impact of that, um, the inequity it creates, that there is a broader sense that just returning to normal isn't going to be good enough, right? Like we want to get back to the normal that is like cookouts and hanging out with family and friends. We can't get back to the same tired old normal politics that produced the society that COVID, um, you know, COVID, uh, COVID ripped through. Yeah. Um, it must be quite a challenge to campaign during this time as well. <laughs> you, gonna, you brought it up a little bit, but. Yeah, it is. It's um, on the one hand, it can be great in that you're able to do three, four five meetings in different parts of the state in one evening, right? Um, but, you know, for everything that you save in, in uh, you know, drive time and transportation time, you lose so much between screens, right? You know, trying to deliver a speech uh, over a screen is, um, is just challenging, right? Like I'm someone who feeds off of interaction with people um, both when I'm speaking and just in my day-to-day -day life, right? You know, I, um, the things I liked least about work, uh, for the last four years were email and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, teleconference meetings. And that's all our world's been for the last year. Um, now I know if that's my biggest problem, then I'm, I'm lucky as can be. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, you know, there's something far different when you're actually looking into somebody's eyes instead of looking into the green button right on the top of your screen or trying to figure out like, all right, do I need to move things around behind me? Which I do. I have like the worst work from home set up. It's a million other, like, it's just silly. So yeah, it's, um, it's tricky to get people with that. And by the way, like people are on fumes, people are afraid, people have been through so much. And I'm mindful of that when I pick up the phone right now that, um, you know, whether I'm, I'm making fundraising calls or I'm making political calls, you know, people's days are somehow more filled throughout all this. Um, and in many ways, the last thing people want to think about is politics, but in, in many ways, and, and the argument I make is it's, uh, unfortunately, this is the time we got to think about it and just, you know, just changing uh, who's in uh, the, the White House isn't going to solve all our problems. It's critically important and thank God we did. Um, but that should be the, the, the beginning of our work, not the end of our work. Um, and on that note, um, for students or alumni of, um, or not, not just of UEP, but I guess policy programs in general, who, are, who might be interested in following a similar path, what would you, do you have any like words of advice for them or lessons yeah. learned? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think um, don't wait for the opportunities to come to you, right? Um, it, it's very easy to think, oh, this is the worst time. It'll, it'll never work right now. Um, you know, I, I was I was about to talk myself out of running for the state senate in 2006. I was in my apartment in Somerville on the phone with my younger brother, um, and I was describing to him. I said, "Well, like, you know, it's it's I'm in my second semester. I've got a I've got an internship. I like uh, I've got this field project I've got to do. I'm never going to have the time to do all this stuff." you know, I'll just, maybe I'll run for mayor someday or I'll go home and I'll run for city council. I'll get myself established. I'm, I'm going through all this and I realize there's no one on the other line. And so I picked up the phone and called him back. I'm like, Hey, my cell must've dropped. He's like, no, it didn't drop you. I hung up on you. And I said, what do you mean? Now this is my younger brother. Right. And I said, what do you mean? And, and he said, you're being an idiot. You're talking yourself out of this opportunity, right? Like these, you don't know if this will come again, like go for it. Um, and I think it's important 
um, to remember that, right? Like it's always the rational decision to not run, right? Um, and, you know, it is, it's difficult. It is difficult for sure, but it is so rewarding. So um, one, I, I would just know there's never going to be the perfect time. And then two, just get involved, right? Like just get involved, find, find the issue that you care about and get involved in it locally. And you might think, well, what can I do, you know, in my city or town on, on housing? What can I do on racial justice? What can I do on transportation? There's going to be something, right? There's going to be something. If, if it's, you know, a, a new police union contracts being negotiated, right? Like there's a lot of action there, right? If there's, uh, you know, a sustainability community in your, or a sustainability committee in your community, get involved in that. Right, you know, find the find the thing that you're passionate about, and put yourself out there on it. And the opportunities are going to come. Um, and then when they come, be ready to take them and and know that it's never going to be a straight line. Right, like when when I interviewed people for jobs, um, whether it was in the state senate or in Nexamp, even now as we're looking at resumes on the campaign, I love to see resumes that aren't straight lines. And when there's gaps in people's resumes, I love asking them about them you know, and people are sheepish about it sometimes. They're like, well, you know, I, I had to wait tables for a little bit. You know, my mom needed some help at home. Like that's important. Like that's important life experience, right? If your life has been a straight line, then where's the struggle been? And if you haven't had that struggle, then where does your sense of empathy come from? What, what drives you? And it's not saying you can't have it, but for me, right? Like when I think about the formative experiences in my life, they haven't been successes, right? They've been these failures. They've been times that I've fallen down or times that, the world has knocked me down in some way and I've learned a great deal from those. So, um, so if you're thinking about politics, if you're thinking about elective office, if you think about just being involved in the policy process generally, you know, put yourself out there, get involved, know that there will never be a better time than the one that is in front of you right now. Um, and don't shy away from, you know, the, the twists and turns that life will, uh, life's taken for you, right? It may well be that that's what, that's what puts you in the best position for where you want to get to. I'm Ella Brady, and this has been the UE Podcast. Contact us at tuftsueepodcast at gmail.com to get involved. Thanks for listening, and see you in two weeks.